in New Orleans, Louisiana. We're community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice. End all wars. Refugees are welcome here, no hate. No fear. 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 Refugees are welcome here, no hate. HIDLP 102.3 FM en Nueva Orleans y por el mundo entero en WHIDFM.org. Somos un programa de radio dedicado a los derechos humanos. La justicia social termina en todas las guerras. Hello, this is Joel Sawa from Eunice, Louisiana. You're listening to 102.3 WHIV LP New Orleans Community Radio, dedicated to human rights and social justice, end all wars. This is 102.3 WHIV. We are community radio dedicated to human rights and social justice. As our booth is starting to get filled up, Doc Griggs, do you know Lauren? And Doc Griggs, do you know uh, Dorian? No, Eric Griggs. Nice Hello. to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. How are you? We got the superstars in the house. Today. That's right. We do have the superstars in the house. This is 102.3 WHIVLP. Wait, 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 wait. I haven't said it. What up, Doc? <laughs> Here's what up. Here. Read Here that. Go. Read preventing, that. Preventing HIV is easy. Get prep. You can get free HIV testing at any Access Health Louisiana location. Plus, same-day primary care appointments are always available. Access has a new location downtown at the New Orleans at the in New Orleans at the Pythian Building, where people can be seen for diagnosis and treatment of HIV, STIs, and PrEP. Plus, all Access Health Louisiana patients qualify for discounted meds through their pharmacy. For more information, Access Health uh, uh, more information is available at accesshealthla.org. That's accesshealthla.org. Good morning, Doc Griggs. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. That's Doc Griggs sitting over there with that lovely voice of his. He's yeah, I'm back. Our, I'm up. Well, I'm okay. slowly getting there. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. that's that. Oh, dude, he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was great. I, we didn't play the song. I think we played the song. Uh, that's yeah, you Doc, played he, the we song. Played the no, song. Played the song. I ain't got no. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got no. <laughs> um, my name is Dr. Derry with us today. Uh, because we do have a very important show, uh, is uh, Lauren Fidelic, who is a uh, uh, Tulane uh, undergrad uh, student and also an intern with me at the AIDS Education Training Center. And of course, uh, with us as always, uh, who is making an early appearance, so thank you for uh, waking up early, uh, is Dorian Gray Alexander, who has a show on Tuesdays at 6 p.m., as they're all taking selfies right now, uh, and it's uh, not selfies, a video, man. Keep talking. This is a, live. This is, oh, this is live. All right. Yeah. So for those of you guys, and <laughs> you got to get the people what they want. That's right. Dorian Gray Alexander, who is a uh, DJ on WHIV with the Proof Positive show that airs at six uh, p.m. And uh, Dorian is also a man of many talents. Dorian, what else? What are the things that you're doing that we can plug or talk about? 
I'm a six-cent stomper. I'm also a person living with HIV. And I'm also fighting, of course, with the state of Louisiana and some local housing p- people around issues surrounding people living with HIV. Nothing about us without us, people. Get with it. You equals you. Uh, there you go. All right. Stick that knife in the crimson gymsum and twist. So let's get started. So uh, how do we how do we how do we do this? So I will tell you about my uh, my Friday. I uh, uh, we get I get the New England Journal every week, and uh, Liana kind of put it out on the table uh, as if to do you want this, or are you going to throw it away, or are you going to read any articles? And and on Friday morning, I woke up, was getting ready to go to work. And I looked at the New England Journal, and I started looking through it. I was like, oh, I don't think there's anything here. And then, boom, first article hit. Boom, second article hit. Boom, third article hit. Boom, fourth article hit. And that's when I realized, uh-oh, there there's some things that we need to do. I quickly scanned through these articles, and we'll go through them in detail in a moment, and then contacted Lauren immediately and said, Lauren, look at these articles. We need to talk. Uh, and then, of course, Lauren and I have been communicating. Uh, we communicated all day on Friday, and then we spent the day yesterday studying these articles. And, of course, what we're talking about are the famous, are these articles that came into the New England Journal uh, that were published uh, last uh, week that were talking about uh, the universal uh, HIV uh, test and treat protocols that have been so incredibly important and, and have essentially acted as a, a pathway uh, to getting to zero uh, HIV uh, transmissions moving forward. And just in short, these articles essentially showed. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Nothing's really changed. Yeah. <laughs> These articles essentially showed they, they showed that test and treat works. It just didn't quite show it with the um the uh effect. Uh what was what you used the right word, Lauren. What did you say yesterday? I said a lot of things yesterday. Yeah. It didn't quite match the mathematical model that it didn't quite match the mathematical model that they had predicted. Um but that might be a product <laughs> of study design. Um yeah. Which we will talk about in a moment. Yeah. So, uh, Dorian, do you want, before I continue, do you want to add anything to anything I've said? And uh, before I just go over, uh, do you have anything that you want to add? I mean, uh, really, so they didn't see the reduction in in incidence in HIV of where they studied compared to prior prior treatment. So, in essence, where does that leave us? Well, that <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess let's you know that's a great place to start, Darren. Let's start with that and let's work backwards. I I don't think whatsoever that these studies are going to change any of public health practitioners' minds yeah. and or HIV uh, uh, providers. I I don't think that. Um, and as I've been emailing and I've been getting multiple emails and texts and whatever. I don't. There, I don't think anybody's mind's going to be changed. My concern here is that people who are not, because we're pretty as a New Orleans uh, group, and as a, as far as the HIV world, we're a tight knit circle. We're a, a, a close group, and we all kind of more or less uh, uh, move uh, that in a, in a manner that's evidence based and that's data based, right? What? Yeah, sure. I, I'm smiling. <laughs> go, go on. <laughs> um, but. What I'm concerned about is these uh, public health practitioners uh, in places that may not have strong HIV uh, uh, communities, uh, strong activist communities. And what I'm particularly fearful for 
or people who don't quite do HIV like we do, but still have the obligation to make fiscal decisions. And uh, I worry that people may look at some of this data, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic, but may look at some of this data uh, and and think that, well, maybe there is no need to do universal test and treat because it didn't really work. And that is my, that that's a concern for me. That was one of my biggest concerns too, surrounding the the rhetoric that's come out following these trials is that the test and treat protocol didn't work, but that's not what these prove. When you look at, when you read the studies, you see that it did work. It was highly effective. In some of the trials, you saw 70, 80% viral load suppression. Um, and in every single trial, there was uh, great increases in viral load suppression. But because of the way that the control group was designed, you don't see this large increase or large difference in decreased HIV incidence between the intervention group and the control group. Yeah. In short, the treatment, the control group ultimately morphed into the treatment group by the end of the studies. And we'll talk about that in detail. Right. And I think for uh, um, listeners, I think you need to let folks know what incidence means. Well, no, let's take it back further. Uh, We can start with incidence, but let's just talk about, this is an excellent opportunity uh you were talking about hyperbole that's used a lot in media uh for hype hyperbole means overhype folks uh let's go to what would be what constitutes a good evidence-based clinical trial to write an article what should you really look for and how would it how what should just give the very basics so people can understand the framework do you want to take it, Lauren? You go ahead. Yeah. So go essentially, ahead. any and I put it by the rim. Just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> any uh, any a good clinical trial uh, is going to uh, have a the the uh, whatever it is that you're looking for a treatment group, and then you're going to have a control group that you need to essentially compare against. And there's lots of techniques, uh, statistical and epidemiological techniques that that scientists uh, use to kind of eliminate bias through the whole process. So this way, your control group and your treatment group, as best as possible, are going to look the same, Mm -hmm. essentially, but the only difference between that control group and that treatment group is that your treatment group is going to have the intervention that's essentially being studied. Mm -hmm. And we can't do clinical trials in vacuums. Physicists and chemists are very lucky because they can study what it is that they study and they can eliminate, you know, laboratory experiments are, are, are fairly more robust because they can eliminate bias because they try to keep it as much as in a vacuum as possible. When you say bias, that means influence on the study. Oh, I really kind of wanted to go. Let's make it look like <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So manipulation. Yeah. There yeah. You go. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so is that so what do you th- is that a decent Description? I understand it. I mean, but is there, can you break it down anymore? I mean, I think for those who don't have a background in science, it's difficult to understand just how important the control group is to a study. Um, and I had, like, I have a background in molecular biology, and I had a, a primary investigator, so a boss, I guess, at a lab in Stanford that said that if your control group is not steady, is not stable, throw the experiment out because it, it's worthless, because you have nothing to compare the study to. So the, the control group, which is the group that does not change, which is what you compare all of your results to, is integral to the study. It's crucial. And it can't be manipulated. It can't be biased. It cannot be changed. Yeah, it, can, it, can, it cannot be changed. Great. Torian? So, you know, at the end, end of the day, we might talk about studies and what they mean and their effect, but... This adds to a body of science, in, in, in quotes, that, that, that now challenges, it challenges what prior studies 
and things that we now accept as as the normal standards of care. So that is what I think we might focus on. So so we know that test and treat has has worked in cities in the US across the world. We also see that folks now are becoming virally suppressed and that and and the community viral load goes down and then new infections decrease there. These these studies are now saying Despite all you've done to test and treat someone now, the old way really gets the same effect. The old way being the the pre test pre test and treat. Right. You know, you might test some someone, and they may get labs in two weeks. They may get labs in in a month. You then might treat treat them, and the question becomes. Which which one brings the incidence new infections down the test and treat or the old way? So and that's what these studies challenge. Right, and so maybe Doran, can you just really just give us a couple of quick uh, HIV primers? You said a couple of things. I just want to make sure everybody understands. You said test and treat. You said viral load suppression. You said community viral load. Can you kind of maybe quickly just do a quick uh, HIV one hundred and one? I'm not an HIV doc or a doc of a doc of any kind. So why don't I defer to the experts in medicine to do that? I have two of them here in the, here in the room. So, so, so the the HIV 101, the 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 doc of docs in this is in, on the other side of the table. Um, but I want to go back even for take a step, just a step back further. As a a common person walking the street. It's all great we're talking in this room. HIV really means something to us in this room. But if I'm listening and I'm not scientific and I don't know why are why is this ID doc? Why is Dorian? Why is Lauren? Why are y'all making a big deal? What does this mean to me? Who cares? Like what is this? I'm going to work. I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm 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 careful, but I don't know what does this like what does this mean this is a big this is actually folks this is a big deal and that's the reason it's a topic on the show to talk to break this down um so it doesn't cause a bunch of confusion why is this all these big words immunology universal epidemic what, what is that what what you know break it down. what does this mean all right yeah. all right so let's do that so if you're if you're tuned in you are listening to 102.3 whiv this is the get check get fit get moving show with doc griggs and dr Derry. uh that's doc griggs i'm dr Derry, and today we have with us a community activist and uh whiv show host uh dorian gray alexander and we also have lauren fidelic who is uh one of my uh, one of our interns at the aids education training center and also a tulane uh, undergraduate student and and uh and someone who's very very uh, uh keyed into all uh, issues HIV uh, in the AETC world. So real quickly, so HIV 101. So uh, essentially, as, as we know, HIV is the virus that, if left untreated, can lead to AIDS and then, uh, uh, and then ultimately so much potential uh, demise. And so uh, what has happened over the course of the last 10 years is the medications have gotten so much better uh, that we um, are now opting to uh, treat individuals as soon as they're tested positive for HIV. In the past, we used to wait for people's uh, immune system to fall uh, before we would start treatments. And now the pendulum has swung all the way in the other direction such that uh, at the moment of a positive diagnosis of HIV, essentially, uh, ideally, within that same setting where we t- we uh, t- uh, diagnose somebody with HIV, I will actually give somebody a pill 
uh, on the spot and start their treatment for HIV. And this is something that's called, that's referred to as test and treat. Um, so test and treating has become this new uh, uh, entity or process by which uh, I think all HIV practitioners, all uh, any practitioner that, uh, that uh, no, Dorian is saying no, it is not. Wow, okay, all right, tell me. We know in this city that folks still wait before they treat. It's hard. For it's hard. lots of reasons, you, cost, uh, access. Oh, I don't see folks unless they're in in patients, even though they're telling me they came in living with HIV or they're in the EER, they were tested and now we know what they have HIV. I want to wait because we don't know if they're resistant to whatever I want to, want to treat. Treat, treat them. Let's stop that craziness and let's start testing people routinely mm-hmm. as the recommendations say. So you test someone, you treat them. You don't wait until their immune system collapses or else de- decrease. We know it works. We have studies out there. These studies challenge that, not that they challenge the process of test and treat, but that they challenge whether it re- reduces new infections in the pop in the populations they see. So, I mean, if our discussion is going to be around should should we be concerned that these studies are going to influence how medicine for HIV and and treatment is done in the U.S.? Yes or no, folks? Uh, for me, yeah, I'm concerned about that. Of course, with these studies, yeah, you're concerned about that. Yeah, yeah. I think. For me, one of the most hilarious parts of these studies... Oh, sorry. One of the most hilarious parts of these studies is that the control... We've talked a lot about the control group for the past few minutes. um, And the reason that the control is is failing is because universal test and treat, universal initiation of antiretrovirals was proven so effective that it was adopted in these countries and became the standard of care. So that's why the control group failed. And that's what I hope... Everyone who reads these will see, but I'm, like you said, concerned that that's what people are not seeing. Say it again. Universal. The control group failed. The yeah, control I mean, we're, group. We're, no, we're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're jumping yeah. to the front. Let me just finish uh, HIV 101. And thank you, uh, Dorian, for, uh, for correcting me. You're right. There, there are the, the standard of care in the United States, if not around the world, is universal test and treat. That is the standard of care. And of course, there's going to be pockets of individuals that are not going to uh, agree with that. Uh, and if there's anybody that's listening that does not believe in universal test and treat, please contact me. And I'm more than happy to sit down and talk with you and and talk to you as to why universal test and treat is important because the next thing and and this is something that i definitely want to uh, dorian's input on and that is the sooner you start people on hiv medications the sooner their viral load is undetectable is suppressed and what happens <laughs> the viral and, load is suppressed and to where to where they're undetectable. and what happens when you're undetectable means that you cannot find copies of the virus in your blood and that you cannot transmit HIV to a sexual part. Hold on. Are you saying that if your viral load is undetectable because you take medicines, you can have sex without a condom and not transmit HIV to a sexual partner? You actually can have as as much pie as you want. And that is <laughs> that is physical intimate encounters, P-I-E. Have as much pie as you want, people. 
and you're not going to transmit HIV to anyone. Let's get it through your heads. P.I.E. Eat your pie. Have two pieces of pie. But just go ahead and quit worrying about transmitting HIV when, when you're virally suppressed. And that's less than 200 copies of the virus. That is where the studies are. So that's where we have to focus on. Right. And we have to celebrate the importance of you equals you. So this is an incredibly important. So and just real quickly, uh, Dorian, just talk to us. I was about to jump into the public health elements of you equals you. And then I have this great big picture of you that I and I don't know. I have to I don't I have a picture of you in uh, where I was in Albania and I, I showed that slide of you <laughs> where you're like looming like 30 feet behind you. You're, <laughs> you're scaring the Albanian. Stop it. So so tell me. So remind. So before I jump into the public health iterations of you equals you remind us what the the real uh, messages behind you equals you in terms of de- uh, destigmatization and, and and these uh, issues so you equals you has value to empower people living with hiv so that they know that they do not pose any harm any threat to anyone else that that viral suppression taking medications Every day until your viral load is is undetectable means freedom from fear, freedom from feeling like you're unclean. There is a value to this message. One is that is is that it it. It rebuilds people living with with HIV. It rebuilds their self 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 esteem. They don't feel dirty. They don't feel unclean. It also of 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 course protects their immune system so that they can live a long, health healthy and productive life. And that means having as much sex as you want. Have have having as much pie as you want. It also means now that we can save lives, and we can save lives in two ways. One is that now we also can do donate organs to save lives, but we're also a part of the prevention so, solution. So, with all of the tools that we have now, we have abstinence, we have condoms, we have prep, we have we have viral sub- suppression. That is part of this whole thing. It isn't just about treatment as prevention. That is a goal, but that's a goal also of PrEP. It is about self-esteem and valuing people who are living with HIV. We don't do – we don't – disvalue any of of other disease state we don't tell folks with diabetes oh well you better take your med medication we don't tell folks I about that, that. well yeah and also no, they're high you know blood uh hypertension yeah hypertension yeah yeah blood, blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but but we don't install fear in them about it we don't say if you don't take your you know diabetic meds you're going to lose your leg and then you can't walk and then you can't drop well, we don't we push kinda, fear we, <laughs> we don't push fear about anything unless it involves sex now that is just weird to me 
That is. Now, uh, real quickly, uh, Dorian, before you give the mic up, I, just one more quick thing. Uh, decriminalization. How, how, because HIV has been criminalized historically, now the U equals U message is very, a par- very powerful tool for activists to utilize so that we can begin the process of decriminalizing HIV. Correct. It is an important tool, but we cannot hold that as, as, as the gold standard because there are people who, despite as as much effort as they try, or else they don't don't have access to care, to access to meds, you know, in a consistent way, they won't reach undetectable status. That doesn't mean it does not mean that they should be criminalized. No, that's a, actually it's a it's a great point, and thank you for reminding me about that. I think that is a great point because I do look at it from the perspective that. Well, of course, you know, U equals U, we can de- decriminalize, but that you, we have to go one step further and not use U equals U as the sole tool for decriminalization. Anybody with HIV, there should not be any laws criminalizing HIV. So let's talk about real quickly about the public health ramifications of U equals U. Now, I always open every one of my lectures with a big picture of Dorian reminding me that there's a lot of destigmatization uh, that we need to talk about, about U equals U that always comes first. But coming second, of course, now is the idea of U equals U reduces what Dorian said earlier, which was something called a community viral load. And I talk about the global viral load as well, right? And so essentially, if we can, the, the, the transmission of HIV occurs when somebody who's HIV positive, uh, whose viral load is detectable, in other words, that they are either not on medications for HIV or the medications that they're on are not effective. When you have a detectable viral load circulating in your bloodstream, you can transmit that virus uh, via either through sexual interaction or through through the uh, through IV IV drugs or through breast milk, uh, uh, and so <laughs> don't laugh. Dorian is uh, Dorian is going through and uh, making uh, <laughs> gestures. Anyway, so what when we can when we treat. Um, HIV effectively, we can decrease one person's viral load to undetectable. And if we do this on a public health scale where multiple people at once, we can decrease a community viral load. And when your community viral load is decreased, it's it's almost, and I don't want to talk about vaccines, but it's almost like a herd immunity. When your viral load in the community or when your viral load in the state or when your viral load in the country or globally is down to where there is no detectable virus, it's going to be virtually impossible to transmit HIV. Correct. And, and, and also that, that becomes important with test and treat because, yes. Yes. Be, and now we're cycling be, back. Be, because the majority, as, as we know and also uh, their studies have shown, people who don't know their status are those who, who are transmitting HIV. So if, so if we test everyone and we routinize testing and then we can identify people and treat them effectively then that's how we can really put a, a dent in new infections but everyone is not on board with that yet. Yeah, and I, I and, and Dorian, you're, you're bringing up a great point and something that I forgot to mention which is uh, the folks that are uh, HIV positive but don't know that they're HIV positive. What are you looking for? Uh, that the sound is really low. Oh, the sound is really low. All right, um, we'll try to come up on uh, our levels here. Um, the uh, essentially uh, with um, 
those people who are HIV positive but don't know that they're HIV positive uh, or aren't being treated for HIV are at highest risk for actually transmitting HIV. And I will say that we have uh, in the state of Louisiana undergone some success stories or some successes with uh, in terms of HIV. And one of them is that we were at a 25% rate of people. So it was about one in four people living with HIV in the state did not know they had HIV. And now we are at one in five. So we went from 25% to 20%. And that's much kudos uh, to uh, the state public health right. entities, of course, Office of Public Health uh, here locally. Uh, so there's been a lot of work. And of course, uh, with uh, uh, the HIV activists, uh, you're still needing more volume? Yeah. And, and, but, but, we also have a, 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 a pretty sub, sub, substantial out of care rate too. Yes, people who 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 are, are known to have HIV were were in in care and now are out 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 of care, and that's a concern there too. Yeah, and that is a big problem. And I know that there's uh, things that are being done uh, to try to get folks uh, back into care. And in fact, linkage to care is a huge <laughs> problem uh, with these studies. So let's kind of pivot toward the studies now. So if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. We are programming dedicated to human rights and social justice. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. That's Doc Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. With us is Dorian Gray-Alexander, WHIV uh, DJ and show host on Tuesdays for at 6 o'clock for the Proof Positive show. Dorian is also a person living with HIV. Lauren Fidelic is uh, an intern that works with me at the AIDS Education Training Center and is an incredibly talented and gifted uh, Tulane undergrad student. Do you want to start walking us through the studies? Sure. Where do you want to start? Let's start start with TASP. Let's start with the study that was initially published last year. Okay. So TASP came out in the Lancet HIV in 2017. Yep, November 2017. Um, And they looked at 28,419 persons in 22 communities in rural South Africa. And what they found... um, so they had a control group and um, an intervention group. And in the intervention group, they received universal antiretroviral therapy, so test and treat, essentially. Um, and what they saw at the end of the study was that there was no effect on HIV transmission, so no effect on incidence, so number of new infections per year. Um, or it was over the entire span of the study, but there was no effect on HIV transmission between the control and the intervention group. And what they attributed that to was inadequate linkage to care, which is kind of how we got to this point. Um, And so they said that because these people were not linked to care once they were tested, that is why they saw no effect. And that the what they attribute the lack of um, transmission to or um, no effect on transmission in each study is different. But uh, for this one, they saw that it was inadequate linkage to care. So do we want to quickly talk about linkage to care? Eric, were you about to say something? Or? No, no. I mean, the, no, this is the, the – the, the, this isn't uh, – linkage to care jumps back into the community. That's something that we're trying to get everyone to see. A lot of people think that they don't need care for anything, and that's the big problem, which is why we step into the pre- world of prevention to start the conversation so that people can understand. Um, I don't want to take up time. This is that important. I really want you to keep – so yeah, so uh, during anything about linkage to care, do you want to define it real quickly, or or uh, who wants to take a crack at defining linkage to care? I mean, it 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 is once someone uh, is known to have HIV, you test positive for 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 H H HIV, then is to try and get folks in into a a doctor's office at least within seventy two hours 
but with test and treat, you actually do it right there. Mm-hmm. So it's eve, eve and faster. Uh, you know, the state looks at uh, uh, folks who who are linked to care within three three days, uh, thirty days, and I think ninety days. Mm-hmm. And those and those time frames aren't. Um, you know, despite the efforts. We still have a lot, lot of folks who are tested, but then, for some reason, are not linked to medication or else to labs. And studies have shown. Hang on, one second, good doc. Uh, studies have also shown that the sooner, I always say that linkage to care is HIV treatment. The sooner you can get somebody linked to a HIV provider at the moment of diagnosis, that person is more likely. Uh, to follow through uh, with appointments and more likely to remain virally suppressed over a longer period of time. So, uh, again... And thank uh, you to case managers for making that happen. We're we're talking from this side of the table. I want to talk to the people... You know, everyone's scared of the same thing, right? And they have the same response. A lot of people, you know, we we don't know why they're not linked. No, they don't go to the doctor because they don't want to hear what they consider bad news, Right. Um, the whole concept of you equals you and eating as much of the pie, it takes some of the fear away from it. People don't go because they don't want to deal with it. They're, they're, That's it's a great their point. fear. So That's let's, ta- let's talk to, we're talking the scientific conversation we can have and we go over the study and all that, but we really want to talk to people that are listening. It's what we're telling you. It doesn't have to be scary. The right. whole link to care is based on patients. I don't want to go to the doctor. You tell me that I have, if you tell me that I have an infected cut, I'm not going back to you because that dude, he don't know what he's talking about. I'm just going to put it in my mouth <laughs> and it'll be all right. Put some toothpaste on it. I'll be all right. And I'm never going to see him or her again. Windex. <laughs> Bam, Windex. It works. A little Robitussin. Tussin fixes everything. But the, the point is getting people to understand that this is not, it's not, we're not criminalizing you. We're not sentencing you to death. We're telling you that, hey, you got something that we can deal with and we can help and you can live a long, profitable and, and prosperous, happy life. So we need to talk more. We talk in these circles and we have to have these conversations so people can understand the science of it. But I really want to make sure that we're talking on the other side. The reason that the link is broken to care is the patients don't go. Right. So do you mind? It sounds like what you're saying, Doreen, you talked a lot about U equals U and how it had been it's so powerful within the hiv positive community but also it seems like we need to spread this message to the general population too especially those that are at a high risk for hiv so that way they know if you do if you do become infected with hiv it's okay true so so in 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 my opinion and in in my experience Everyone who knows me knows that I am living with HIV. I talk about it. It's on every social platform that I have. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, great. That is great news. Thank you so, so much. In people living with HIV, they also go, oh, great. I didn't know this. Really? Is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the science is there. Great. Fan, 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 fantastic. What I've been shocked at and I've been annoyed at is that people who work with people living with HIV or are treating people living with HIV in some way, if it's their physician, their nurse practitioners, their their PAs, 
I talk about this and they go, well, now we have to worry about everything. We have to worry about STIs and, and, you know, and folks might think, think they're cured. And it's like, I don't get that flack from anyone except in the clustered mm-hmm. HIV community. Please explain that, healthcare providers. <laughs> I'm looking at. Go ahead. Come on, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. Come no, on. I, well, listen. I don't. I, the folks that deny the science, I don't know. They don't come around to me. Uh, I wish that they would. I ask people. We have been in the same room. I ask people to come and talk to me. Uh, uh, however, to, but what we really want to talk about, I want to kind of flip back and pivot back to the task study. Uh, although your point is well taken, Dorian, and I and I share obviously your enthusiasm and passion, and I always put an invite out to folks. Just let's sit down, and have a cup of coffee, and let's talk about your resistance. And I like to use that word particularly there: your resistance mm-hmm. to why you know you don't believe or don't consider you equals you to be a thing. But th- there were two very very important points here and I want to start with the less important point and then let's pivot to the most important point because it's going to be the theme for every one of the studies and how the control groups ultimately turned into the treatment groups but the linkage to care in the TAPS study which was essentially how did we get people once they're diagnosed with HIV into treatment uh, and ultimately to viral suppression was the same between the treatment group and the control group. It was 30%. So this is study design flaw number one, which was the linkage to care uh, channels were not, either they weren't uh, smoothed out before they got the study started. They anticipated it was like, they they modeled 70%. Their mathematical modeling for which they based their numbers on was that they were going to have a linkage to care of 70%. And both the treatment group and the control group had linkage to care at 30%. That's crazy. Like, that to me is study design flaw. Like, that's huge study design flaw, and that's an important study design flaw. So, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I got th- thoughts about that. Yeah, it, it, it's a study design flaw, and the fact that you're dealing with people that don't want to go, they're, they're not going to go. You tell people that they're going to go to the doctor, I, it, it, they, they didn't, they assumed that the people, once they found out that they might be HIV positive, that they would be more likely to go to the doctor, which is a crazy assumption. Let's get yes. back to that. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Me? Yes. Like, do, did they take the time to explain to them what a positive test actually means in terms that they understand? Did they have people? Did they have the people give it back to them so they can understand what it means? As far as we know, everybody went to the same went went to the study. When they left, they all came out with the same diagnosis. Right. As far as they knew. What right. did they say? A bunch of big words and they said I'm not you know what? I'm positive I'm not going back there. Well, hold on. This study <laughs> this to be clear, this study was in, in Kuala it was this one was in Kuala Zulu. That was yeah, Kuala yeah. Zulu Natal, South Africa. Yeah. So just to So yeah, it. what's the health literacy in Kuala <laughs> right. Zulu Natal, right. South Africa? It, you know, I mean <laughs> That's right. Well our numbers show, yeah, your numbers, yeah, yeah. You keep counting here. Yeah? Kuala Zulu uh, yeah. Natal. Uh it, it, it just reminds me I actually had a nurse practitioner on who works in this district uh, on uh, on on WHIV last year right last year (laughs) say that real fast so so listen so listen to this so you guys will appreciate this so she's 
So we're talking, and she was, and she was like the health. She was like the public health kind of commissioner for that district. Her job was to be the person for that district, and she manages all the HIV. And she came through with a delegation, and, and usually these delegations of public health folks always stop here at WHIV. It's and that's a whole other story. But anyway, um, she was sitting right where Griggs is, right there. And so we were talking, of course, about, right? Do you feel we, were talking, yeah. we were talking about I HIV. Feel a little tallow. Hey, hang on. So listen. So listen to this. So when I was like, you know, talking about like all the work that we do here in New Orleans and stuff. And she kind of stopped me and she's like, what's your total number of cases of HIV uh, in New Orleans? I'm like, oh, our total number, Uh, you know, I I think like maybe 6,500, maybe 7,000 cases in New Orleans. She's like, we had 7,000 new cases just last month. And I was like, (laughs) I was literally, I was like, Mouth needed to like jaw dropped to the ground, <laughs> eyes bulged out of my head, and it's hard to shut me up. And that was one of those moments where I just <laughs> had nothing to say. So this is a very serious. This is a place in the world that has incredibly high rates of HIV. So, so what? So as so as we compare the two places, Botswana and uh, the parts 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 of South South Africa, a common denominator i think is stigma so you know people are are just afraid that anyone else knows that they have hiv or else they have more important things to worry about they have to find eat they have to eat they have to worry about about their kids they have to hustle to you know, to pay their their rent so you know and i i'm sure and that's just here in the us i cannot Imagine what the struggles might be in in a nation that doesn't have the infrastructure that we we just sort of take for granted. So, 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 so I want to go back even with, with it along following down that path. How much time do you do you think they take with each of those seven thousand a month to make sure you understand what it's all they hear is a stigma? What? And all well, they, I mean, it's and, hard to say, but well, yes. well no, but you, I mean, you understand what I'm, all I understand, all the, the literacy, literacy wise, you hear stigma, and everything you say after that is but thinking wanna, about how they're going to eat, how they're going to. No, my point is, let's just even from beyond that, let's just talk from sheer volume. If the average doctor visit is 12 minutes here in the U.S. and and it, you, you're longer, you take longer with your patients, of course, it takes longer than 12 minutes to explain to someone who had really no, they can right. do the identification. What it is and why they need to go see a doctor now, and right. who's going to do the explaining? Is it the doctor or who's doing the screen? Oh, yeah. So let me let me also say something ah. that, that you guys are going to uh, appreciate. One of the sub studies that came from this very same study uh, was released about eighteen months ago, and what it showed was in the clinics that they were following in Kuala Zulu-Natal, South Africa, that they found that folks that were tested positive for HIV were forty to I think it was even higher than that. Where I think it was more like sixty to 70% more likely to experience food insecurity uh, as well. So food insecurity was essentially a predictor for HIV in, in one of the sub-studies that came out of this TASP study. So it, the, in, and so the social determinants of health, which we see here in the U.S., are pervasive globally, and it's just that is a reminder as well. And I also want to say, just a reminder, that infectious diseases, are, while not exclusively, but infectious diseases are diseases of the poor when we look at it globally as well. And, and 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 also another least common denominator is is that that the ma- majority of people living with HIV in the U.S. are black and brown people, and I would 
guess that that's probably the same in Africa. I, I, yes, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I would yeah, venture a guess there too. So, <laughs> so I also want to kind of as we as we kind of leave the task study, also want to say one thing that you're going to find also as a common denominator for all four of these studies is that, and it probably, and we're bearing the lead here, but the thing that we need to, that we've hinted at throughout this whole show, and which I will be yelling at the top of my lungs probably for the next year as I'm going to be going around the country, uh, kind of commenting on these on these uh, studies is that at the time the studies were started, test and treat was not the standard of care in any of the countries. And that is an incredibly important point. And we started this when Doc Griggs asked me to define what a treatment group and what a control group, or when Lauren said her professor at Stanford would oftentimes say, if you don't have a good control group, abandon the study because your results are going to be garbage. And that is essentially what we're seeing here. The treatment groups were test and treat. The control groups were standard of care. Standard of care at the start of these studies were not test and treat. What happened was that these countries started to adopt universal test and treat because it was the right thing to do. And this is what happens in studies that happen in real time, that people's policies or countries' policies, public Mm -hmm. health policies are going to change to save the lives of the people that are there. It was the right thing to do. But what essentially happened was that the control group initially started off as a control group, but by the end of the study morphed into the treatment group. And this is why we're seeing such muddled results. So let's talk about policies. So recently, our state of Louisiana changed its sanitary code, which 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 then changed a policy of 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 now expansion of of test results being re- reported to the, the state. So as of of May, all test results, negative and also pos- positive, are now required to be uh, reported to the state of Louisiana for syphilis, hep C, and HIV. So policies like that, although they sound like a good idea, can can have unintended cons- consequences. Uh, you know, just like you're concerned about if if these studies are going to impact universal test and, and treat some of us are concerned about sanitary code changes affecting whether whether folks are just going to be tested and even if they are tested do they have a right to know that 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 their negative test results with their names are now being collected what do you guys think about this I, I just real quickly, Eric, if you want to kind of answer, the, I, I don't want to shift the conversation too much because we about have 15 minutes. And this is, I, I would love to be invited to your show because after four years of doing your show, I've never been invited. He's a bully, huh? I've she never is, been invited to your bu- show. He's a bully. He's a bully. He's a bully. He's Can a, you imagine yeah. four years of, of Dorian Gray having, uh, no, going on five years. We're going on five years of Dorian Gray Alexander having a proof positive show. And I've never been invited. But that's cool. I'm not, I'm not keeping track, obviously. And I would love to come 
on with Dr. Blue and see, and, and I would love to have a, a conversation. So I, I think that he would probably be up for it. And uh, so that is a conversation for us to consider. I think your points are well taken. I have some counterpoints, but I really do want to focus on, on these studies. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. That's Doc Griggs. I'm Dr. Derry. Today we have with us uh, Doreen Gray Alexander, who's a show host on WHIV at, on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock on the Proof Positive show that has never had Dr. Derry on as a guest uh, you can uh, Dorian is also a person living with HIV also with us is Lauren Fidelic uh, who is a uh, intern at the AIDS Education Training Center at Access Health of Louisiana and also is an incredibly talented uh, undergrad student at uh, Tulane University so uh, let's shift over to pop art so so there was four studies we just went over what was referred to as I like the name yeah I love yeah, the name yeah, too yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, talked about the TASP study and TASP essentially is short for treatment as prevention and uh, we didn't really quite define that term but essentially the idea is that if you put people on medication on HIV medications and drive the viral load to undetectable levels they're not going to transmit virus so that's what's referred to as TASP or treatment as prevention the next study is, is called the pop art study so these are the studies that actually appeared in the New England Journal last week so do you want to give us a quick rundown on ta- uh, pop art yep so pop art they looked at 48,301 participants from 21 communities in Zambia and South Africa. And they also integrated, so they had three groups. There was group, group A, which um, had this community intervention, which was community health workers going directly to the houses and doing these, this testing and then referring to the community or the government health clinics. Um, and then group B, or so group A was the community intervention plus universal antiretroviral therapy, so test and treat. And then group B was still the intervention, but the standard of care, which shifted over time, but started out as um, CD4 cell count below 350. And then I think in 2015, it went to below 500. And then by 2016, it was universal art. And then and universal art is universal antiretroviral yes, universal therapy, antiretroviral also, therapy. basically treatment. Yes. And then Group C was no intervention and the standard of care for the government standard of care for the respective countries. So in essence, there was a um, a kind of a control group, kind of a quasi control group, right. and then a more kind of real strict kind of treatment as or treatment group. Right. And before you just, I also want to make clear because I think you you brought up a very good point, Lauren. Was I just want to be clear that when you take the sum total of all four of these studies. We're looking at a, a sample size of a quarter of a million people, 250,000 amongst four studies. So these were huge, huge trials. And so this is where there's a little bit of, of, of concern because these trials just didn't quite show the effects that we had expected them to do. But go ahead and, and, and finish with pop art. Right. So I think the, the first result we should look at is viral load suppression. So the percentage of HIV positive participants with viral load suppression at the end of the trial, 24 months in group A, so that's the community intervention and universal antiretrovirals was 71.9%. And then group B, so community intervention standard of care was 67.5%. And then group C, standard of care and no community intervention was 60.2%. Go ahead. So we still see great viral load suppression. And what did that have to do with HIV incidents? How much did that bring down the incidence? That we saw. I have it. I have it right here. You have it written down. Yeah, I have it right here. It's the incidence actually was reduced uh, by thirty uh, percent in Group B 
and uh, 7% in Group A. And so that's the point that is important for us to talk about because Group A was the strong treatment group and Group B was the kind of half control, half treatment group. And yet you saw a greater redu- reduction in HIV incidence in something that you didn't, you wouldn't have expected that. You would have expected that there would have been the exact reverse results. And I think that because we didn't see the results that we expected, again, that goes back to study design flaw. But let me, the reduction in HIV incidence that was based off of group C, correct? No, it was group or that was, that was the group A. That was but the, it was the, the reduction that they're looking at is yeah, it was based on it's based on group C, C yes, not of course. necessarily yes. a thirty percent decrease in right, incidence. Right, 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 right. So, and study design, Dorian. Yeah, I want to just point point out that those viral suppression rates are pretty much about the same as in Louisiana. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point. The World Health Organization is trying to reach seventy percent globally, right? Or seventy? Well, no, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90. I know, I know, but their goal. I know that's the the overall goal, but the goal for what twenty twenty is. Seventy three percent globally. Well, I think that when you, I think so. Your point is well taken. When you do ninety ninety ninety, you actually get to something like where it's seventy three percent. So you're you're right. So the viral loads, the mathematical modeling is that if you get to ninety ninety ninety, you reduce the viral load to seventy three percent. That you will significantly reduce that the virus is going to be very difficult to sustain itself in nature. Right. You're right. So study design flaws. Study design flaws, like we talked about. Um, the world in general um, has accepted that test and treat is the standard should be the standard of care. Therefore, over the course of this study, test and treat and universal initiation of antiretrovirals became the standard of care in the control groups, both in B and C. So you lose, you slowly lose your control group as time goes on because group B is the unit is the community intervention plus the standard of care, and then group A is universal initiation of art plus the community intervention. So over time, those two groups become the same thing. And what we get by the end of the study is that we're just evaluating the effectiveness of the community intervention because that's the only thing that differs between these groups. Which, again, is is remarkably surprising because we wouldn't have expected that. Right. But in the end, go ahead, Dorian, you can grab the mic. In the end, what we do see, though, is that there is efficacy in test and treat. And I don't think anybody can argue that point. Uh, and that is one of the positives that could be taken out of this study. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I don't think that they're de- denying that 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 test and treat has a, a, a place and that it it. It works. What they're challenging is is if it if the expected outcomes of greater new infections are expected, and and they're they're saying it's 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 not. I mean, it again. I don't think that these studies leave us any different going forward than where we are now, and. Just like with 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 the prep studies, I mean, you you saw all kinds kinds of studies that came out challenging prep. Uh, we're we're seeing studies now around challenging two one one as 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 prep, and still at the end end of the day, they both work and they both are good important tools. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, Ryan. I think the as the press, the the lay press is starting to kind of wrap their heads around this. And I, I would 
Probably the one that I, I thought was the best. What was the one that we thought was the best was the Medscape, was the article that showed up in Medscape. So if anybody's interested in reading this, the Medscape, if you just look at test and treat trials and type in Medscape in your browser, you'll you'll find the Medscape article. It was it was probably the best out of them all. Uh, but as I'm starting to read, because I have been reading the lay press, it's hard for these uh, science writers to wrap their head around uh, kind of what these studies mean, unless you are deep, deep, deep in the HIV weeds, it is hard to wrap your head around this this uh, study. But what each one of these writers are saying, and this is the positive that's coming from it, is that we have to look at test and treat as a tool amongst many other tools. We have our, like you said, you have the no eat pie, uh, uh, otherwise known as abstinence, as a tool. You have your, uh, uh, your prep tool, right? You have your pep tool. You have your test and treat tool you have your linkage to care tool right is that pi plus i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) so the so it's all an element these these are all tools and what we should and and the one thing that that certainly these studies did for me though was it allowed me to take a big step back and recognize that test and treat is not the only way to get to zero so that was a huge wake-up call for me for somebody who is deep in the weeds of hiv this was a big wake-up call for somebody like myself who really now understands that we do have a toolbox and this is a tool in the tool i think it's an important tool i think it's probably the most effective tool but yet is still just a tool and equally as important with this tool is our amazing case managers that do the linkage to care because that's what we saw was a failure so uh do uh, you want to talk about the yahtzee study lauren Sure. Do we want to go there? And oh, isn't that where – did you want to do that or did you want to do search? I liked the search study. So I thought, why don't you do search then? So the search study, let's see. Uh, I lost my paper. Anyway. 4%. <laughs> right. So this study was in Uganda and Kenya, um, and they looked at 150,000 people. And what they did, what I thought was really interesting, was they looked at um, – this, they did a multi-disease patient-centered strategy. So it's community health intervention. So they're going directly to your house, but they're also looking at diabetes and hypertension, um, tuberculosis. And they saw a decrease in all-cause mortality for both people living with HIV and the general population, um, which I think, is a, I think is an interesting strategy to think about, too, in integrating HIV care into primary care as well. So it, it's just another thing that that you're treated for, that you um, receive care for. But um, as far as HIV incidence... Which is how it should Exactly, be. exactly. Yeah. Um, as far as HIV incidence, in their intervention group, they looked at um, decrease in HIV incidence, and they looked at it just... They, they did the comparison, and they didn't see the decrease in incidence between the two groups like the rest of the studies. But they also looked at decrease in annual incidence just in the intervention group, and they saw a 32% decrease in HIV incidence just among the intervention group, which I think is important to note. Right. Because that's that's the number that we've been looking for. It's just not when you don't compare it to the control group. Right. When they compared it to the control group, it went down to five. It right. went down to a five percent difference. Yeah. Right. So there was very little difference between the control group and the and the treatment group. Guys, we have about two minutes left, so let's just kind of and so again, study flaw design there was again real world life in which right. the uh, which is a good thing. This is a good problem to have in which the governments took this. They changed their their standard of care to. A Adopt 
test and treat as the new standard of care. So this way they weren't waiting for T-cell counts to fall. What they were actually doing was they were treating people uh, at the moment of diagnosis. And so in the last, uh, we have two minutes and 15 <coughs> seconds, uh, do kind of some really some last parting words before we sign off because we need to be off at the top of the hour so that we can podcast this. So I don't read, if I don't read studies and I'm watching TV, what does all this mean to me? I've heard grand rounds. This is grand rounds. That's yeah. what I've heard. I, that's all this is, is grand rounds. But I'm a listener. I'm watching the news and TV. What What does this mean? Lauren. I think, so last night I was trying to think of an analogy for this or a metaphor to go along with this. And I think looking at the results of this study, it's like trying to beat someone in a foot race when you're both running on a treadmill. That's the problem in the study design that we've been talking about. And I think that this still proves that U equals U is effective and that it's a necessary tool in reducing HIV incidents. Dorian? I think Lauren's, Lauren's right. And I want to also say that I will invite you two to the show because we have a lot to talk talk about and update on, on PrEP, U equals U, and the sanitary code. Yes. Um, again, I don't, I don't think, think that these studies change anything that, that, that we're currently doing. Can we do better? Yes. Yes, I agree. And with that, um, uh, I just want to say thank you guys all very much. I just want to kind of uh, put in my last uh, two cents as well is that when these studies were performed, the control group was truly different from the treatment group. And in all four of these studies, the treatment group, the control group ultimately morphed into the treatment group. And this is why we don't see the changes that we were expecting. With that, thank you for listening to Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Riggs and Dr. Darian. We're going to be segueing right into the Real News Network. Thank you for tuning in. So historically,